This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. It's always good to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it, today? Man, worship was just great today. I, I don't know. Usually it's, it's uh, great, but today it was greater than great. Amen. God's good. We've been speaking about the values and the vision of Christian Life Center, talking about really what it is that God uh, wants from us and what He's called us to. And as He identifies that to us over these last little bit, He's revealing to who we are. Last week we talked about how we are called to be people of the Spirit, and today I want to talk about kind of part two of that in a message that I'm calling Back to the Altar. Um, We're talking today about one of the most contentious values that we have here at Christian Life Center. We are Pentecostal or charismatic or we're open to the gifts of the Spirit. We say that without apology. There are certain segments of the Christian church these days that ignore what the Bible teaches about the actions of the Holy Spirit, but we believe firmly, looking at the book of Acts, for instance, that there's, God has miracles and answers to prayer, and He wants to do great things in the, in the life of the church, that we, we believe that we're standing in the long line of churches that are, are following after Jesus. The, when when uh, Luke is writing to Theophilus, he talks about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so we believe that that doing and that teaching is still going on even to this day and that God has something specific for us. Um, the book of Acts is filled with miraculous gifts and healings and confrontations of demonic spirits and the raising of the dead and all kinds of things like that. And so we believe that as a church, that we need to continue on that same mission of sharing the lost, sharing with the lost and sharing the love of Christ and seeking the power of Christ in our own life. And for us to say that God has stopped performing miracles, I think often betrays a secret belief that God has already done what needs to be done. When in fact, I believe the Bible tells us that there's more yet to do. Amen? There's more yet to do for the kingdom of God. And so uh, while some things have changed, There's no doubt about that. I don't think it's Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it's the church that's changed, and we need to change back so we can be the people that God has called us to be. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in the very first verse, we talk about these these gifts and see what God has to say to us about it. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in, them, in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one is the, ma- the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of, the, of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another 
the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Father, would You help us today as we look at this very confusing passage of Scripture and reveal Yourself to us, Lord God, and help us to celebrate what You've called us to, Lord God, and renew ourselves, Lord God, as we come to this passage of Scripture. Challenge our spirits, Lord God, and help us to renew ourselves committed, Lord God, to doing things Your way in the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, amen. I would not have you to be ignorant or uninformed. I, I, I would not have you to be ignorant about spiritual things, he says. In, in, the, in the King James Version, actually says ignorant. But I don't want you to be uninformed about these things of, of the spiritual gifts. Now, when we look at this, we probably recognize that the Corinthian church wasn't ignorant of the spiritual gifts, but they were ignorant about certain aspects of the spiritual gifts. And so... Um, they're being corrected a little bit here. But Paul is quick to say that we should pursue the gifts of the Spirit, that we should earnestly desire the greater gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 1, and that we should not forbid uh, gifts, and we shouldn't despise prophesying, and all these, these different things that he's saying to the Corinthians. He's saying that there, there should be a, a, a perception of the Spirit's inbreaking into our life. But first he corrects them, and he says, he says there, there are different kinds of spirits in this world. If you look at it, a lot of times people just say, well, spiritual things are happening, but not everything that's spiritual that's happening is done by the Spirit of God. There are lots of different kinds of spirits in the, in the world. First John, uh, the, the apostle, writes this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so he he gives them a specific way to, to test the Spirit of God, whether the Spirit is of God. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is even already in this world. So right away, we see that, that he's, he's correcting them. They're, they're used to having living in a world where there's some kind of a, a spiritual activity. In, in much the same way that we are in, in the United States, there's all kinds of spiritual activity, lots of prayers. Not all those prayers are going up to the Father God. Not all those prayers are going to uh, our, who, who we believe is, is Jesus in the Scripture revealed to us, but they're going up to idols. And so he uses this term, these mute idols. He says... Uh, he says specifically, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. In other words, you were drawn to these idols. You went to, the, to worship these idols that, that did not speak. You went to worship these idols, and there, even though there was no speaking in their midst, and they, they did not speak, they had nothing to give to you. Now the Spirit of God, we, he recognizes, does have a voice, does have a purpose and an intention to, to speak to them. And so it's, it's, it's clear that they have to have some way to measure the voice of God. He, it's interesting that he is pointing that these, these idols are mute, but he's also pointing out to the fact that in their weakness and in their, in their ignorance before, they were led astray. So he's kind of warning them that it's possible to be led astray even in the place where you are, so you need to have a measuring stick to know what it is that God wants to do in your life, what it is that God is saying, and whether that, that voice is really of God. And so he says there has to be a measuring stick. And if we look, that measuring stick is doctrinal. 
he says, no one can, can say by the Spirit of God that Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. Now, he's not talking about merely uttering the words Jesus is Lord. A lot of people can utter the words Jesus is Lord and not live their life for him, but he's talking about living out his, their, a person's life in, uh, in confession and under the confession and the profession of their faith. Jesus is, Jesus is Lord. In fact, this was the actual thing that the, the Christians would say to one another, Jesus is Lord, because the rest of the Roman world was saying, Caesar is Lord. So you immediately identified yourself as a Christian by saying, I am not under the rule of the government. That makes you a rebel in the, in the eyes of, of the people of the time. I am not under the rule of the government. I'm under the rule of Jesus. Now, that, that, that sets you at odds with them. So, so no one can do that. No one can take that bold of a stand. No one can step that far out unless the Spirit of God is working on the inside of them. No one can live out to that confession unless the Spirit of God is working on them. And conversely, no one can say Jesus is cursed. Now, he's not saying that, like Paul says in Galatians, that, that uh, uh, Jesus became a curse for us. He's not talking about that. He's saying no one can say Jesus is anathema. No one can say Jesus is under a curse uh, now because Jesus has been resurrected and is glorified. And so he's saying this doctrinal understanding of who Jesus is is exactly who is exactly how you measure whether or not the Spirit of God is working in a person. So just because there's spiritual activity, and just because there's things that are happening that seem to be spiritual, prayers being offered, healings happening even, doesn't mean that that's the Spirit of God at work. Somebody say amen for me. What's the, what, what is the, the telltale sign, what is the measuring stick, is whether or not Jesus is being glorified. That's how, where something is pointing and what, what something is, I've, I've sat with people and, and talked about their use of their gifts in, in, the, in the body of Christ and talked about how, the way that they use them and, and have been, I'm, I'm pretty gracious when I do this, but to be able to, to remind people that it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it doesn't make any difference if anybody ever remembers you. They don't need to have your business card with them. All they need to remember is Jesus is Lord. And if they have Jesus is Lord, they can make it through the rest of their life all the days of their life. So Paul it says, you, I don't want you to be ignorant, but you're kind of acting a little bit ignorant, so let me inform you, let me tell you a little bit about this. And so he says uh, that there's this measurement, and it has to be a measurement of the Spirit. Then he moves on and talks about the gifts of the Spirit, these physical manifestations of the Spirit. Now to each one, is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, he says. To one there is given through the Spirit, the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking different kinds of tongues, to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one as he determines. As he talks about these gifts, this is not the gifting of administration or the, you know, the gifting of teaching. Those are not in the miraculous realm. Those are, those are gifts that are more in the motivational realm. I call those motivational gifts. Gifts that come out of the motivation of your heart. You want to see people educated so you're motivated to teach. You want to see people organized so you're motivated to, uh, to administrate. Those are motivational gifts. But these are, these are uh, d divinely inspired and manifested gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're miraculous in every respect. And I, when I look at these, I look at these these gifts see who they are, but 
before we look to see who, who the gifts are, let's look and see who is used in these gifts. Sometimes the way we come to church, maybe the way that the, the, the uh, architecture is, it kind of points to the fact that everybody is looking in the same place. You notice everybody's kind of looking in the same place back here. You notice that? And that would make you believe, by the way that we're all sitting here looking, that the most important thing is happening up here. But in reality, that's only one portion of what happens. In, in our church, we can divide the service up into three different aspects. The first aspect is the highest thing that we would ever do is worship. It's the highest, highest uh, calling of every human being to worship the living God. Second is teaching to challenge us. And the third aspect is an impartational ministry that we do one to another. We call it altar time. But you, you, we pray for one another. Sometimes it breaks up into different areas. It doesn't always have to happen at the altar. It's not always what's happening up here. But you notice when we look at the thing, now he says, now to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So who is gifted with these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit? Each one, right? Notice in the last verse that I read, he says it once again, each one. So he begins and he ends informing us that, that each one of us should come to church with the expectation that God could use us. It's not all about, sometimes in America, we come to church to see what can they, the church, whoever they are, what can they give to me? What can I receive from them? In reality, every member of the church of Jesus should be asking, Lord, what do I have to give to them? How can I minister to others? What is it that you're challenging my heart to? Sometimes we're, we're sitting here in service, we're waiting for somebody to wow us with something, when really God is trying to speak to you to step into somebody else's life and pray for them. And, and we're bad at receiving and giving. And we're just, we just really are. Considering everything about Christian life is receiving and giving, we're really horrible at it. For instance, if, if God... Uh, prompts me to give $5 to someone. Let's say the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I want you to give $5 to that person. Now, $5 might not meet your need, but maybe God prompts me to give you $5. But maybe because your pride, you, you, you want to say, I don't need your $5. You know, I don't need charity. I'm, I can do it myself. I can pull myself out of my own bootstraps. I can do my own thing. You know, I, I, that's who I am. I'm, I'm that guy. I can do that. I don't need your $5. But God is teaching you something in, in receiving. It's hard to receive. Sometimes it's hard for us just to receive. So let me give you a word from the Lord this morning. Shut up and take the $5. Just say thank you very much. I mean, it's, it, we have to learn this, don't we? To just take the money, put it in our pocket and say thank you very much, you know, and, and just try to understand. Sometimes God will give you, direct somebody to give you money. The other, the other day somebody walked up and handed me some money and I said, what's this for? And they explained what it was for. And I, I said, oh. And then I went back and I prayed, God, you know, I didn't really need this money. And then I'm always worried the Lord's going to say, but you're going <laughs> to. Like, maybe the car's not going to start. Or, you know, you never know. So, so just receive it, you know. And if God's speaking you to give it, then just give it. And can you imagine if you walked in, and what would service be like? If there was a certain, you know how we do that, greet each other. Just go greet somebody and tell them. What if, we, what if during that time, money just started flying around the church? and people would, You wouldn't know if you were getting or receiving. It would just be all, just a load of money. What a great church to come to. We'd probably have twice the attendance, you know. <laughs> but, but, but because God, is, God wants us to learn how to be 
how to be givers and receivers. He wants us to know how to accept it and take, take what He provides. And we learn something. He says, each of these gifts is given so that we can, it's for the common good. Now, so, it's not just about money, obviously. It's about all kinds of gifts. But let's just say that somebody, let's just say there's a difference. You have a great financial need. Whatever your great financial need is. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. But you have a great need, and, and suddenly your boss just puts an extra, maybe it's 100 bucks, and your boss puts an extra $100 in your check. Well, that's great. And you go, thank the Lord. You know, the, the, my boss gave me a bonus. Praise the Lord. But it's not on, at this time of the year, a lot of people get bonuses, and, you know, compared to their bonus, your 100 bucks, chump change, really. Let's be honest, you know. So you got a $100 bonus, but that's not really, that's not really a lot. And so, so you, you, you receive it like that. But if you're in need and you come into the presence of the Lord in service and somebody walks up and slips a hundred bucks in your hand and you're thinking, what are you thinking? You're thinking, thank you, God, you know my need. Right? If you come forward to the altar at the end of the service and you present yourself to God and you say, God, I've got this great burden in my heart and I need deliverance from it, and somebody besides a, 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 a licensed pastor walks up and puts their hand on you and just prays in their simple way, the way they pray, and they pray, and they say, God, just meet this need, and that need gets met. You come back with a testimony, and you are charged up, and you are encouraged, and everyone around you is charged up and encouraged because God can use anybody, not just the guy in the suit coat up here in the front. God can use anyone, and so... In fact, the more, the more we experience this, the more we practice this, the more we, we share in this, we recognize that God manifests himself in such a way that he gets the maximum amount of glory. We talked about last week about how God always waits to the last minute. Somebody say amen. amen. He will always wait to the last minute. I'm not sure that I like that about God but I'm sure that it's God's way of getting my attention and driving me to the, to the very edge. I suspect there are prayers that we pray because God waited till the last minute that would have never gotten prayed had God give us the answer to prayer before the last minute. And so if I was God and I'm trying to maximize my glory, I would wait until you are sweating it out. Until you are white-knuckling it. Lord! Isn't that what he said? You'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so there's this, this thing that drives us to him. And then there's the manifestation of these gifts. And I, I just, for the sake of time, and because, um, because you know, there's just so many of them, we'll just lump them into three categories. The first one is the mind of God. The second one is the power of God. And the third one is the voice of God. The mind of God is revealed in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. I remember back, you know, in the day, I've seen God do some stuff that is way, you know, God had wisdom for people's lives that I never thought ever that God could use people. I remember one fellow who was not right with God. You know, he's your pastor. A lot of times you know somebody who's not right with God. You look across their the, the congregation, you know, that guy is not right with God. And we had a guy who was being used prophetically, and he walked right up to that guy, and he said, God has a wonderful ministry for you. And I thought, well, you missed that one, God. And I began to rattle off to God on the inside all the reasons why that dude should not be in ministry because he's not right with God, and he's, you know, these X, Y, Z, these things. But God used that prophecy to prompt that person to go into ministry. 
And that person's in ministry to this very day. I would have, if God would have gone by my senses, he would have never used, he would have never been called to ministry. But God sees further down the road than you do. Aren't you glad for that? When I was, uh, my youth pastor was Lee Herity. He led worship for, uh, uh, I knew it in the first service. Anyway, he led worship for somebody. Anyway, so, uh, and he was, he, he was our youth pastor, and he laid hands on me, and he prayed, God is going to use your voice marvelously for, for many years, or something like that, he said. And I, I was like, well, I had visions of my, Self with my hair real long and leather pants and you know rock and roll guitar and you know because I was I was 18 you know I, I remember in those days I thought that's how God's going to use me I'm going to I'm going to get the band back together and we're going to go out and we're going to change the world for Jesus but that's not at all that was just what was going on in here that's not what was being said uh, that never really manifested but for 30 years I led worship in this church God has used my voice. Marvelously, really, quite frankly, uh, over, over the time, you know. And so when I look back, I see what God was saying to me and how, how that fulfilled. It gives me confidence to be able to do the things that God has called me because God's confirmed it. It's a word of wisdom. He called that 18-year-old that, that out to do something for him way back in the day. It's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is when, oftentimes makes word way for a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is God saying to you, uh, or like when Jesus says to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. You know, I, it, Something that confirms where you are, what you've been thinking. How, how, you ever have God just speak to you like that? Where he, he talks to you and you realize, God knows my mail. He, he reads my mail. He knows exactly what's going on in my life. He hears what's going on in my heart. He knows how I think. And so oftentimes that's making way for a new word or challenge that comes in. And the gift of discerning of spirits is another way that the mind of God is revealed. It lets you know whether or not that, that which is being spoken or that which is being done is of God or whether it's of the flesh or of the devil. And those are your three choices in life, the God, the flesh, or the devil. If it doesn't fit one of those three categories, you have to rethink it because it is in one of those three categories. If it's, a, if it's something of God, then you'll, it'll glorify God and it'll draw people. And so you see, that's revealing the mind of God. And then there's those things that reveal the power of God, the, 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 the healings and the faith. I remember, I remember uh, praying for my wife. She had broken her tailbone. She wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. I'm not even really sure she was totally my girlfriend at the time. But anyway, uh, but, uh, I thought she was my girlfriend, I guess. And so she was, she was laid up in bed. She had broken her tailbone, and I came by. It was the end of a very uh, hard week. I was working a very physical job, and I came by, and I declared, I'm going to pray, because it's Friday night, I'm going to pray all night until the healing of God manifests in your body. I'm gonna, I am going to pray. I'm going to be the prayer warrior of all prayer warriors. You, you ever, you know, you, I was just really bold. You know, I'm going to you know, pray and touch that my God's garbage. You know, and I knelt down next to her bed and I laid my hands on her back and I said, Lord Jesus, and I fell asleep right there, right there at the edge of her bed. And I wasn't snoring. She didn't know I was asleep. She thought I was still praying. Suddenly, the Lord touched her body. 
And the next thing I hear, I don't know if it was the next thing she said, but it was the next thing I heard. I was being awakened to her voice, so she said, hey, the pain is gone. And I said, uh, of course, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. But I was like, it is? You know, whatever. But, but you know, some, that's a gift of faith. When I came in there, I was declaring, I'm going to pray. You know, the, the Christian life is filled with declarations that are way over our pay grade, right? Remember, remember Peter, he said, I'll go all the way with you, Jesus. And then Jesus is at the cross. He's going, Peter. <laughs> Peter, where are you? you know, so, uh, I, I, I declared in a faith that was bigger than mine. And God used that to glorify himself in, in my wife's life. Many times God does that. You th I think of uh, uh, great men of God. Uh, how, the gift of faith oftentimes operates beyond human faith. It's like a faith that's just supernatural. Think about George Mueller who would, who running an orphanage in England and he would he would uh, set the plates at the table with all the orphans sitting at, at their place with their spoons and their forks and their knives all gathered around the little bowl waiting for whatever God would provide. And just at dinner time, there would come a knock at the door time and time and time again God would provide. Without him letting his need be known, God knew the need and, and God had him operate. And I know a lot of people who've who've gone hungry trying to operate by the faith that George Mueller was operating in. That's because that's a, that's a supernatural gift of faith, that God's demonstrating himself through that. That's the way God makes his power to be known by, uh, by us. And so we, we see the miracles in, in this. I, I remember when we signed the papers on this building, and uh, I had, like, I, it didn't even concern me. I was like, God can do it. God can, you know, I was, uh, you know. And then when I signed the last paper, I looked over at Peggy, who's the treasurer, and I said, Peggy, how, how much in debt are we? And she said, a million, whatever. And I was like, a million dollars? I was, I could, my faith just suddenly drained out of the bottom of my boots, and I was realized I, was, I had been in over my head. I was, thought I was a man of faith. Now I was a man of deep concern for my, where this next payroll is coming from. So, but, but God has been faithful every step of the way. I remember when the prophet said, you're going to buy a building that's going to, that's going to be worth 3 to $3.5 million. And I, and I said, first of all, I said, God, how come it's a range? Why isn't it just, why don't you just tell me $3 million and I'll know which one I should buy. You know, I'll just only look for, I'm just looking for a church building and only want ones that are cost $3 million. But, but I'm also, I also said, God, I think you screwed up because we ain't got $3 million. So and I, I don't know anybody with $3 million. I don't even know anybody who wants to have $3 million. So, so God, you're going to have to give me some direction. But, you know, a, a year or so later, we came here. We saw this place. We had looked at this place two other times. We, anyway, we ended up purchasing it. Too long of a story to share about how God gave it to us for way less than what we, we were willing to pay for it. And then I'm walking around one day with the insurance guy who's looking at these windows going, man, these things are expensive. And we're going to have to insure this. And, he, and you know, all this time, I'm, I'm thinking God has led us here, but I, you know, I, I don't have any confirmation. And then suddenly he's standing, looking at that big window in the back there with a the picture of Jesus and the woman at the well. And as I'm, I'm standing there looking and just gazing at the, 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 the artisan work on the, on the stained glass, he goes, I would say, he goes, between 3 and $3.5 million. I said, What? 
the building's worth between three and $3.5 million. And suddenly that prophecy came flooding back and I said, oh, I know, this is where God wants us. This is where God wants us. You see, God wants to reveal Himself. God isn't a static God who did something in the past and we just come back and look back at it and go, wow, isn't that wonderful what He did in the past? If that's all He did, that would be wonderful. But God is way more wonderful than we're willing to give Him. He's way more, he wants to be involved in our lives and He wants you and I to be involved in the process of sharing the mind of God and the power of God and the voice of God. Oftentimes, the voice of God speaks to us a time and time again, and we're not listening, or we're, not, we're discounting whatever, whatever it is that God is saying to us. One day I was praying at the altar, and the Lord said to me, I want you to pray here, and if you'll pray here every day for, I forget how long, but it was a while, if you pray here every day, then I will answer your prayer, and I will, I will, I will do what, I've, what you've asked of me. And uh, I said, okay, God. So I prayed every day. And it got, the Lord told me, I want you to pray for the nation of Tanzania. I've not been to Tanzania before or since. And I began to pray for Tanzania, that God would do a great work in the, in the nation of Tanzania. Sometimes I would go study about the nation of Tanzania and just try to figure out why does God have me praying for it. It's a strong Muslim influence in Tanzania, but I would pray and pray. pray. And so then uh, one, of my, one of our missionaries came in. He was a missionary to Amsterdam. And I said, so are you looking forward to going... To back to, to Amsterdam. He said, actually, the Department of Foreign Missions have changed my direction. I'm going to Tanzania. And I'm like, well, oh, that's weird, Jerry. You know, where, tell me about Tanzania. I'm going there and I'm preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be doing only meetings where I pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're, fi they're fighting against this, this uh, Muslim influence. And so they need the power of the Holy Spirit in the churches in Tanzania. I was like, that is amazing. And so uh, I thought, well, that's it. You know, but the Lord just had me praying, continue praying. Then there was a teacher from Morton uh, East, and she came down. She was helping out with some kind of a uh, food program or something we had here. And, and she walked in, and one of her students said, tell him where you've been. And I, don't, I don't even, didn't know her. I'd never seen her before, never met her before. And she said, well, I, well I, you know, last summer I was in Tanzania. I'm like, you know, you just kind of, you, your ears just like perk up, like, you know, like, because well, now I have not run into anyone in the remaining years of my ministry who just happened to be in Tanzania. But I ran into two people while I was praying for Tanzania. And so she explained to me about what she saw over there, non-believer. She saw, and she explained to me what, what she had seen over there. See, God was directing. God was speaking. His voice is being, needs to be heard. His mind needs to be revealed. His power needs to be manifest. That happens as, with each of us as we are stepping out into doing what God said. When each one of us step out. When each one of us begin to pursue the things of God, God has something that He wants to reveal in the world around us. And so, we see this happen over and over again. You know, the, the worship team is instructed that we should not despise prophesying. That when, it, when we are in a, gathered and we're in a moment of worship and at, at the right time, and then suddenly a word comes forth, you'll notice that the worship team lowers their volume. They, co they come down. They settle back in so that that word can be heard. 
Because we're trying to honor the voice of God because the voice of God is that important to us. Because we know that it has to be more than just a sermon by the pastor. Because let's be honest, the sermons aren't that good. I've never heard a life-changing sermon. I say, I never heard a life-changing sermon. And if you come up to me and say, Pastor, that sermon was life-changing, I know you're just blowing smoke up my dress. Because it's not the sermon that changes life. It's the God that we preach who intersects in the moment that we hear the Word and it's mixed with faith and suddenly something transforms us in the middle of our life and we 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 are resurrected. We are reacting to the Word of God and the Spirit begins to work on the inside of us. I'm not... These aren't the only ways, by the way, that God works. He works through other ways. He works through dreams. He works through visions. He works, there's lots of other ways that God works, but we recognize that when we are gathered together, these things can break out. These things should be breaking out. Some people will say, oh, I think the gifts of the Spirit should be used out in the workplace. Not until they're used in the house of God. This is the place where we practice the presence of God. If you're going to blow it and make a mistake giving somebody a prophecy, do it here first, will you? Before you go out there. If you're not bold enough to step out with your brothers and sisters, you're not going to be able to do it out there in the world. Out there, There's an assignment on every one of us as we come into worship that we would be the people who come back to the altar and do ministry. If, if everyone who lines up along here and is seeking something from God and I lay hands on them and every prayer is answered, which is, you know, that's what I want, to happen, then people will say, man, that Pastor Dave, he's a real good prayer. But the reality of it is God wants people you've never met before to slip up and put their hand on your shoulder and pray a prayer that you've never heard before. People who don't know your name, brothers and sisters who suddenly feel your burden and come alongside and weep with you because they know you're going through a difficult time. That's a testimony to the reality of God. And it builds not just your faith in one individual, builds your faith in the, in the lives of people. God's, the way that God has designed it is amazing. It is amazing. Our prayer should not be, oh God, what can you give me today? But, oh God, what can I dispense of in my own life? Because the joy, frankly, is in being refilled. Spending yourself in service to another Giving yourself in service to another empties yourself and drives you closer to God. And then God refills your life and empowers your life and gives you that. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we believe. No doubt about that. But then there's there's this overwhelming empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life. The Bible calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That comes upon us and there's a direction that says to us in the Scripture that we should be pursuing greater gifts. That each of us should be excited about what God can do in our lives. And that we should be pushing forward. It's the Holy Spirit, according to the Scripture here, that's distributing each of these gifts. You should long for certain ones, should long for the greater gifts, but the Holy Spirit is distributing and dispensing them. And i got to believe that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to some of us in here, that we should be speaking out to other people, but we've been quenching the Spirit. We've been putting the Spirit's fire out because we don't want to get out there in the danger zone. What we think is dangerous.
I can't imagine what you would say if you came up to me and you, and you gave me a word that wasn't from God. What would you say? The Lord says, shave your head? Probably not. So, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that there's probably nothing that you're going to say that's totally wacky. It's just a matter of discerning the Spirit of God. So, I'm encouraging you to step out from where you are, your comfort zone, the sit still and look up front comfort zone. And step out into a place of ministry. Some of you are involved in other ministries. And as you're involved in those ministries, the Holy Spirit's going to be prompting you. Speak up, say that to that guy. Say that to him. Challenge him to walk deeper, to walk truer, to, to give that thing up, to surrender that thing. And the Holy Spirit will do that. And He will, he will do I can tell you of, of a certainty. He will do that for a while until you keep saying no. Until you keep saying no. And after a while, when you quit saying, yes, Lord, but when you begin to say, no, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not, you're not going to make a fool out of me. That's what I prayed. Look at me. I said, Lord, you're not going to make a fool out of me. He said, yes, I am. You're my fool. We have to totally surrender ourselves to the work of God. If we want the church to be what God wants the church to be, and that's really the only reason to come to this church, is you want to be a part of what God's doing in this church, then we need to surrender to what God is challenging us to do. That is to step out into the role of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you'd come stand up here at the altar if you want more of the Holy Spirit. If you've already have the Holy Spirit in your life, that's great, that's wonderful, but the Bible still challenges us to fan into flame the gifts of God in our life. And so I encourage you, I challenge you to come on up and seek the presence of God. Not going to be me or anybody else that, that, that is going to do this for you. You have to do it. But when we come up and we ask God to move by the power of His Spirit in our life, we anticipate that the Lord will hear and answer prayer because that's what the Lord did in the old days and that's what He does in the new days too because that's who God is because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.burwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.